the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. My goodness, it's my turn again. It would just, you know, how 22 hours passes like that. <laughs> Good afternoon. Welcome to yet another edition of Lifeline unfolding before your shell-like ears for this 17th day of November. We're uh, T-minus, uh, what is this here, uh, eight days and counting down to uh, Thanksgiving. Don't forget, by the way, if you have not yet given a gift to help the Bay Area Rescue Mission provide meals for needy families across the Bay Area. Uh, we're trying to provide some 1,000 boxes of hope filled with a traditional Thanksgiving meal that will feed the average family of five people. Oh, about a half a dozen meals over the course of the week, and uh, that will certainly be a huge help to families that, um, quite frankly, at the end of the month have uh, have more months left than they have money. So um, go online right now. You can do so at kfax.com. Click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Pretty sh- full show for you tonight. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about the markets this evening. Overheated? That might be almost an understatement as we see what's been going on on Wall Street. The question, of course, as we're seeing inflation settle in, and um, contrary to some of the characterization by the administration, this is not just an overnight thing. It isn't temporary. It doesn't disappear with the wave of a magic wand. Were that the case, Jimmy Carter might have gotten a second term in office, right, <laughs> for those old enough to remember the hyperinflation of uh, of those days. So what do we make of all of this? And are other positions that we can be taking to help preserve our capital and protect our retirement? Well, Marco Cordoba is going to join us. He is a precious metals expert, and we thought a little bit of a, a different take on the t- subject tonight, so stay tuned for that conversation later on. Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, will drop in for an update. News, you might have heard this, that... Um, Senator Patrick Leahy, one of the most staunchest pro-abortion Democrats in the Senate, will be retiring at the end of 2022 after nearly five decades in the Senate. Term limits, hello. So we'll talk a bit about the uh, the implications of all of that. As we uh, meet our first guest tonight, you know, I'll take you back in a journey. Those perhaps not old enough to remember it, myself included, (laughs) but I read about it. The 1950s, in the early days of television, boxing and wrestling were the mainstays of TV in those days. I mean, after all, it was cheap and easy to produce, and viewers ate it up. But as television progressed and matured, the audience's appetite for confrontation never waned, only grew. Today, it appears, division and confrontation has seemingly become our national pastime. In constant search for a good fight, whether it be TV, in person, or via the Internet, we seem to have, in our quest for a good battle of the ideas, lost our ability to discuss, debate, and even compromise. 
The conversations that once led us to common ground now only lead us to deeper division. How can we recapture what unites us? And what lessons can we be teaching our children about such matters as kindness toward one another, the importance of things like character, and how to create a better future for the next generation? Well, my first guest tonight sat down to delineate many of those ideas on paper in a series of letters written to her son, who, although today is perhaps too young to read them, will undoubtedly come to treasure these writings by mom, much as hopefully you will, inside the pages of a new book called Dear Hartley, Thoughts on Character, Kindness, and Building a Brighter World. Just newly released by Center Street Publishers, available at the usual suspects, including Amazon.com. Joining me is Hartley's mom former co-host of ABC's The View and former co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend on Fox News. We're delighted to have join us on the program, Jedediah Bila. Jedediah, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That was a, a great intro. I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I was like, is he going to go into the TV segments I've done that feel like boxing? Is he going to go into the letters? There's so many ways you could have gone with that one. So <laughs> thank you so much for that beautiful intro um, about a book that I'm really excited about and passionate about. And I'm fascinated by this because, as I mentioned to listeners a moment ago, um, Hartley, in fact, just a couple of days ago, celebrated his second birthday. Am I right? That's exactly right. He's two years old now. I can't even believe it. I started writing the book when he was just barely one year old. And now I look at him and I'm like, wow, you're like a fully fledged person now. He's like (laughs) talking and running around. It's amazing. Be like careful! He'll be run, he'll be running the entire house shortly. So <laughs> cherish no, cherish the time while you're able to. But I would imagine speaking <laughs> speaking of cherishing things, I would imagine when when Hartley grows up and is able to read, um, he's going to cherish this book. But I, I'm curious the the motivation behind all of this. I mean, uh, clearly laying yeah. down one's life experiences and wanting to have kind of a, a permanent record that can be enjoyed by not just your your son, but you know someday grandchildren is is extremely valuable, but where, where, do, where was the sort of the, the, the birthplace of this idea to sit down and, and write to Harley on such mm-hmm. matters of gravitas as character and kindness and doing the right thing? You know, I always love handwritten letters. I actually intro the book talking about um, a period in my life when I was in college, going through a really difficult time, going through some heartbreak of my own and wrote to my best friend and what those letters did for me in terms of healing and growth and just finding my way to a better place. And I wrote this book at the start of the pandemic. Um, You know, we were very much isolated. We were in New York City and um, couldn't go outside a lot. Hartley couldn't do a lot of the stuff that I would have loved him to do. You know, mommy and me this or daddy and me that. And I was looking at him and saying, there's so many things I want to tell my little boy um, about the world that was getting increasingly crazy, to be perfectly honest. So I was like, let me let me start writing. And they started as handwritten letters just to him. And quickly, I realized that it was something I wanted to share with the world, because it was stuff that I felt everyone could kind of relate to in some way, could find a little bit of themselves in. And they were about values that I felt were really, really important to build, you know, strong people, to build strong children, to build strong nations. So every chapter of the book is about 
something different. Sometimes, I, you know, one chapter is about following your gut and why it's important to do that. Another chapter is about character and what that means and what that looks like. Empathy, kindness. Um, in an increasingly polarized world, I write about the importance of speaking your mind, even in rooms full of people who disagree and what that respectful exchange of ideas in a free society should look like. You know, and I, I, I wanted, I wanted and I still want my kid to grow up and be the architect of his own life to kind of figure out what he wants his life to look like. So these values that go through this are freedom and free thinking and, you know, personal responsibility and owning your life and owning your choices and why it's important to say I'm sorry when you do something wrong and why it's okay to be wrong every now and then and own up to that. So it's a lot of stuff that I think you know, people who are from the political realm will appreciate, but also people who aren't and are kind of tired of the division as a business model television that they watch all day long and need a little bit of an escape. It's something that you'll definitely smile while reading, and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's not something you're going to read at the end of the day and it's going to put you into a nightmare before bed. It's definitely going to make you smile. So, And, and you know, I'm, I'm touched by the fact that you're focusing on some very important fundamental values that at one time we sort of took as the norm in America that now seem to be every increasingly on the, um, shall we say, the, the endangered species list, including such things as what, what freedom means and how hard our mm-hmm. forefathers fought for it and how hard we need to fight to keep the freedom we enjoy, or, or such things as courage of our convictions where seemingly today that that also kind of seems to be on the chopping block along with such matters as personal responsibility or even growing up and understanding the importance of having a sense of of character of being a person that can be counted on. Yeah, you know, I also wrote about the American dream and opportunity. You know, I grew up very middle-class family. I grew up in Staten Island, New York, uh, in a small condo behind the Staten Island Mall. People used to joke with me, oh, you grew up behind the Staten Island dump. And it was true. That's where I grew up. My parents worked really, really hard to pay off that mortgage and gave me a sense of what it means to produce hard work and how rewarding that is. But I somehow landed on television, and I always say to myself, wow, only in America. And I want him to know what opportunity means in this country and how, you know, capable he is of achieving the things that he wants to. I also write about chivalry and, you know, why is it dead and and what should it mean and why you shouldn't be upset if someone opens the door for you or that's just an act of kindness. You don't have to read, you know, some, you know, feminist dogma into everything that happens. It's just in an effort to analyze and overanalyze, often the simple things in life that really had value are being lost. And some of those simple things are just making someone else, you know, doing something nice for someone else without an agenda. Or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot in there of, I share a lot of secrets and things and moments I had on television where, you know, I wish I had done things differently or things went in a way that I, I, I wish I had, you know, the ability to kind of go back and I say things like, you know, I have some regrets and these are what they are. And I felt like a little bit nervous, truthfully, in such a hyper-polarized world to put something out there like this initially because it has my little baby on the cover and, you know, everyone who hates my politics is immediately going to be, you know, dashing my little boy and all, all of those things went through my mind. But I really felt like the world was in such a need for just some sense of shared humanity and 
some sense of bringing back those values that are so important um, that I, I just kind of put that aside and I said, if I'm asking my little guys to be brave, then let me be brave and let me share this and hope that it touches someone. Um, it's not just for parents, it's for students, it's for, you know, grandparents, it's for teachers, it's for really anyone who's concerned about what's happening in the world right now, in the country right now, and who just, you know, wants to feel like they're passing something on to the next generation that empowers them and self-empowers them. Yeah, we seemingly have lost that that sense of... uh heritage and passing the mantle on of, of, of such things as as hard work and sacrifice. Many of the values that our parents and grandparents grew up with that allowed them to come to a new country and survive. And today, seemingly, much of that is being discounted, if not altogether, um, uh, you know, just tossed aside. And, I, and I'm, I'm struck when you mentioned about the things like opening doors. You know, I, I was raised to believe that that was a way that you taught respect for others. And, and in particular, open the door for someone that's older than you, open the door for a lady. And today, if you do it, um, there's a 50-50 chance you might get a, a stare that'll burn <laughs> like a laser burn right through you, as if somehow to suggest that there's an ulterior motive to just want wanting to be kind to one another. And as I mentioned, some of these things seem to be on the endangered species list. This effort at chronicling and passing on that kind of legacy, I think, is critically important. We're visiting today with Jedediah Bilan. They say, I know the name. Well, of course you do. She was a co-host on ABC's The View. Seen her, no doubt, on Fox & Friends Weekend. While this is not her first dalliance at writing, it uh, it may be one of her best. It's called Dear Hartley, Thoughts on Character, Kindness, and Building a Brighter World, the book newly published by Center Street Publishers. I mean, fresh out like the ink is still wet new. And you can check it out, of course, at uh, better retailers near you or the usual suspects, including Amazon.com and uh, at Jedediah's website, Jedediah Bila. Dot com as well. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our dialogue, more of the conversation, as uh, our visit today with best-selling author Jedediah Bila continues here on Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Jedediah Bila with us today. She's um, sharing a bit of her own heart and what she's detailed in 52 letters that comprise not only a series of um, lessons and thoughts, legacy really, to her uh, young son who just celebrated his birthday a couple of days ago, but uh, sharing all of this with the rest of us. The new book called Dear Hartley, Thoughts on Character, Kindness, and Building a Brighter World. One of the things that I'm, I'm struck by is the notion, and we talk about it on this program all the time, that some of the challenges we see today include a generation that has been raised on the notion that uh, they've been kind of instructed on what to think as opposed to how to think. How important do you think those sorts of values are, personal responsibility and the like, when it comes to raising your son? You know, that first thing you mentioned is, is dear to my heart because before I got into television, I was a school teacher. And I taught in schools for six years. I taught, you know, seventh grade through college. And I was really concerned about what I saw. I was, I was getting worried about education turning into indoctrination. And I saw that certain students who felt a certain way were applauded and students who felt a different way 
were kind of ostracized and looked down on, and even in assembly halls would be made to feel odd for raising their hand and voting for a certain, you know, response to a question or whatnot. It was all very political, um, and I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't approve of it. I don't like it. I don't want that for my child. So I'm a passionate defender of diversity of thought and free thinking conversations and engagements with people. And I really want, you know, I've worked in, I worked at the Zoo. I was a lone conservative there. Um, I've worked in places where I've had a different opinion and it's been really challenging to get that opinion across because I am a free thinking person and I don't tell a line for a politician or a political party. Uh, I am a conservative, but I've been disappointed with the Republican party plenty over the years. So I like being a free-thinking person. I feel like people know that what I'm telling them is really what I feel because I'm not a reliable talking point. And yet sometimes I find myself among reliable talking points, and that's a battle. But I wanted my son to know, speak up. You know, I don't want to put you through a system that is going to make you feel like you're going to be punished for holding a certain belief. And I don't care what that belief is. You know, if I raise my son to ask really good questions and he winds up disagreeing with me on something, but really defending how he feels and be, being able to respectfully have that conversation with me, then that's a, a good job that I've done. So that particular value um, and as it relates to schools, um, as well as how it relates to parents and parents feeling like they should have a say, you know, education is supposed to be about education. It's not supposed to be agenda driven. So if you're a parent and you see something happening in your kid's school, that's your child. You should have a voice and you should be able to go and, and ask questions and make complaints and have your voices heard as well. So it's about being a free thinking society that really embraces these kinds of conversations and push back when people feel like something is going in a way that is not advocating for freedom or freedom of thought. And, you know, the, the notion of sort of this paradigm shift we've seen in education in this country where it's less and less about preparing a student for life, giving them the fundamentals, teaching them how to think, teaching them about the importance of, you know, the things in life that are important versus the things that are trivial. Instead, we've turned many public classrooms into uh, social experiments, what with, you know, gender dysphoria issues and, and whatnot, and parents are afraid to speak up, uh, dare they show up at a school board meeting and 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 raise a concern. At the end of the day, I, I almost wonder if we're reaching a point now, and it's a few years before you'll have to consider this. But even for yourself, have you and your husband talked about the possibility of maybe looking at alternatives for Hartley's education, such as homeschooling? We have actually, and that's something that I never thought I would consider. Um, a friend of ours, a family friend of ours, has been homeschooling her children uh, for some time. And I always said, oh, I could never do that. You know, and I also, because it's a lot of work, right? It's a, it's a different level. It's a different kind of investment. And I also, because I taught in classrooms for so long, you know, there's a lot of good that I always felt comes of that, of just, you know, you know, a lot of that social dynamic for kids. But what I'm seeing is just really disheartening and increasingly agenda-driven educational program that is really not about education at all. And, and I'd also say to people, you know, one of the things I write about in the book is, the, the wide umbrella that is actually education, some of the stuff we don't think about as education is actually far more useful in life. You know, I got my master's from Columbia, and I came out, and I had this fancy degree, and it occurred to me pretty quickly that I didn't know how to do anything. I, I didn't have any practical skills. I had memorized well. I had gotten all these great grades, you know, 4.0 GPA in college. That all sounds really good. 
But when I would look at a friend of mine who was living on a farm in Texas and, you know, at the time was, you know, operating that farm and, and providing food for the family and, you know, you had to handle electrical wiring in the house if an emergency happened and just had all of this hands-on practical knowledge. Um, a child in that family was also homeschooled and part of the homeschooling involved learning all of these things. I remember thinking to myself, wow, I... I messed up, you know, <laughs> and that's not to say that you can't get, you know, good things out of a master's degree, or you, but, but just remember that there's a lot out there that doesn't come from textbooks and doesn't come from a standard educational system that's really valuable. You know, we, we live in a town right now, and, you know, we have a plumber come to the house who's amazing. I mean, the things he can do, I'm fascinated by, and, you know, during the pandemic, I think you saw a lot of those people be so valuable. You know, a lot of the people who lived in New York City apartment buildings were used to calling the super and getting something done. Well, guess what? During the pandemic, they weren't, people weren't responding to those calls. Everyone I knew who was self-sufficient and had these practical skills, they were fine. They were just handling life. And I said, wow, if they were, you know, in one of these survival movies, I would be long gone and they would be surviving. So I think I think you also have to remember that as a parent, and it's challenging for someone like me. I grew up in Manhattan. You know, I was the call the super and fix it girl, but now that I have a child, I'm like, you know what? I want him to be able to, to build something, to fix something, to know the sense of self-worth and self-reliance that comes from that, that I think a lot of the older generations understand a lot better than I do, but I want my kid to have that. So um, that's an important component of, of an unconventional kind of view of education that I think doesn't get spoken about enough. Well, I tell you, I think uh, Hartley's going to be in for um, quite an experience when he uh, reaches the stage that he can uh, begin to understand and digest all that you're sharing inside the pages of this new book. And uh, I appreciate, uh, Jedediah, not only your candor in willing willing to uh, essentially share this with with the world, even though, as you point out, there may be some critics that are going to come on and pile on just because that's what they do. Uh, But I think it's really important and an important lesson that I think all of us need to be mindful of in, you know, Scripture says to train up a child in the way he or she should go, and that the responsibility we have as parents and adults to pass on the good things in life, to pass on what it means to be responsible, to have a sense of personal responsibility, uh, such matters as, as character, uh, girls learning to be ladies, men learning to be gentlemen. I mean, I know you use those words today and, and, and be ready for somebody to hit, cut your head off, but, but the reality is um, our kids are missing out, and our nation is heading in a very dangerous direction, absent these values that were the values, quite frankly, that helped found this nation, get her through multiple wars. And um, I sure appreciate the time today, uh, Jen and I. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I hope everyone enjoys the book. <laughs> you bet. Again, there is Jedediah Bila. The new book is called Dear Hartley, Thoughts on Character, Kindness, and Building a Brighter World, newly published by Center Street. You can get it through Amazon.com or through uh, Jedediah's website, JedediahBila.com. 5.32, we're a bit late. Let's get you updated on some traffic here. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Here's a quick pop quiz for you. What do Jerry Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, Bill Clinton, George Bush, H.W., Bush 41, 43, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden all have in common? 
They are all presidents who have served during the tenure of Vermont Senator Patrick Leahy. <laughs> really? 50 years. And that's great to celebrate that when it's for a wedding, when you've been sitting on ice in the Senate for five decades. Somebody should have grabbed the cattle prod and encouraged him to move along a long time ago. But there is some good news in all of this. We find out from Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, host of Life Matters, heard every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. And, uh, boy, 1974, Brian, that's a long time to be sitting in a public office and a long time to be promoting many of the um, abhorrent views that this man has. Welcome. Greg, thank you. Yes, uh, Patrick Leahy, an extraordinary individual, very far left, and a real um, a real icon of the left. But one of the things I think we have to recognize isn't just his age that is prompting this. The Democrat Party right now, as it's structured and with its values that it's promoting, has really embraced some of the most radical ideas the United States has ever seen. And they realize it's a step too far. Polling shows that the Democrats are going to lose seats, and there's many Democrats in office now that don't want to be around for that. And it's not just Mr. Leahy. We have Jackie Spear, our own Jackie Spear from the Bay Area. And she could actually, she actually has a very interesting legacy when it comes to her history. But again, on policy, she has embraced unlimited abortion, government-funded, late-term, and the de rigueur standards of a Democrat party that is not your parents' Democrat party. The current Democrat party has gone so far that they expect to lose seats. This departure, and I think I sent you, there are also Democrats in, in state legislatures in Texas, that I've openly left the Democrat Party because of its hardcore commitment to abortion. And uh, a lot of Hispanics that are Democrats have traditionally registered as Democrats, but when they see where this is going, they don't want to go with the Democrat Party that embraces, basically, the dismissal of human life as a public policy standard. So... There's stuff going on, and we need to be ready, because part of our job as citizens is not simply to watch the process and then hope that good people replace them, but to make sure that the real issues are examined, that, that we're involved wherever we are, in our town and community, to make sure that those who hold public office, all the way down to school board, to make sure that they do represent our values. And that's what America is built on, and that's what that's what National Right to Life encourages, California Pro-Life encourages. This won't change as much as Democrats now have gone over the cliff. Expect there still to be the battle of ideas, and it's up to local citizens, local Christians, to be equipped for the battle to make sure that the right voices take office. And Brian, we're facing a, a pretty important juncture here, aren't we? Uh, insofar as next year, of course, the midterm elections, we have a number of members of um, both the House and Senate who have announced that they are not going to be running for re-election, including San Mateo County's Jackie Spear, along with 
uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, Senator Patrick Leahy. But along with that, the results of the 2020 um, census that are going to bring a bit of a shift to districts across the country. California, for example, is in fact going to lose a House seat. So I wonder between yeah. the combination of frustration over what's been going on in the country, coupled with um, the the new data related to the census and its impact on um, redistricting, along with some of these retirees, is it going to shape up for a very pivotal November 2022 election? It is it's shaping up now, and you're exactly right. But it isn't just Congress. Literally the entire map of California, down to the precinct for supervisors, for city council, for school boards, that map still has to be decided. It's being looked at now, but those districts aren't going to be set in ink, apparently, until January. This is part of a strategy, by the way, by those who hold office, the Democrat Party, to discourage people from planning. And yet it is right now, as we speak, that if people are going to hold office next year, they need to plan. If they're going to run for school board or city council. So I've been traveling through the state, meeting with local pro-life groups, encouraging them to find the right kind of people for city council, for school board because the future belongs to those who prepare for it. And it's coming. They don't want us to plan. If the maps come out and there's opportunities, there'll be very little time in January to get campaigns going. And it's important that we look now to what can be done. And there are people considering throughout the state running for office. And uh, I'd be glad to come to your community, but it's important that your community prepare. Don't look, you know, up up the ladder to governor, to to statewide office, to Congress even. Your community needs to be prepared to vote for people who care about life and care about our Constitution. Well, and as we're seeing on an increasing basis, uh, the, the number of battles that are being enjoined at the local level, the school boards, for example, has been pretty remarkable uh, out of deference to the notion that, as you point out, it's kind of like, you know, the, some organizations, some fraternal organizations refer to it as going through the chairs, climbing the ladder, whatever the case might be. Uh, but, you know, folks think, well, the only the only seat that's really important is uh, my uh, senator or the president of the United States. Oh, au contraire. And um, thinking about your potential role in making a difference in your local community. Again, realize we're not talking about political involvement per se. Politics may be a vehicle, but at the end of the day, it is self-governance. We're one of the nations that since the foundation of this um, Republic in 1776 um, has celebrated the idea of citizenship government. I like the way I think Lincoln put it best in the Gettysburg Address, government of, by, and for the people. And uh, that would be you and me in that people part all the way around. Brian Johnston unpacks these and many other issues in his weekly program called Life Matters. We invite you to tune in Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. for Life Matters. And to get more information about these and other topics, check out California Pro-Life Council at californiaprolife.org. That's californiaprolife.org. I also want you to be mindful of one other thing as we're here in the middle of this season of giving and you're considering um, contributions uh, to wrap up the year. 
Um, think about these fine organizations that stand with us year in and year out, month in and month out, have for, in some cases, decades, and the great work that they do only because you help facilitate that. So when you think about your end-of-year planned giving, be mindful of California Pro-Life Council, the National Right to Life Committee. Information about giving online at californiaprolife.org. That's californiaprolife.org. Our thanks to Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director of the National Right to Life Committee and host of Life Matters for that update. 5.45 on the clock. Speaking of updates, let's do one right now from the KFAX Traffic Center. When you think about your own personal financial goals, what things are important to you? Accumulating wealth for your family's needs? Maybe building assets for your retirement? Certainly for all of us, things like safety and peace of mind are critically important. And these days, creating a means of beating inflation. Maybe you saw the news recently. The Social Security Administration announced that it is going to be providing in 2022 a historic cost of living increase, 5.9%. At least you get excited about the additional money that mom and dad might be receiving in their Social Security check. Believe me, one visit to the grocery store or the local gas station will show you what comes in goes right back out and then some. So safety, security, and a hedge against inflation, critically important. But where can you go to find those things? Well, we've got some insights today. Joining me is special guest Michael Cordova. He is the president of the Gold Financial Group. Michael, good to have you with us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Craig. Appreciate it. I would suspect in your years in business and talking with clients all across the country, uh, I would imagine issues like safety and now beating inflation have got to be kind of the, the top priority list. Absolutely. That's pretty much what most of our clients have uh, top of mind recently because they see what's happening with inflation and everyday prices. And of course, as that's skyrocketing, folks say, okay, I I need to look at some options. And one of the issues that kind of runs, I I think, in tandem with inflationary concerns, and that is the extreme volatility on Wall Street. And my goodness, people remember the dot-com bubble burst of 2000, 2001, the derivatives debacle of 2008, 2009, and then we've been going through this, this emotional roller coaster of COVID the last couple of years. And while we've seen some pretty remarkable Um, response on Wall Street, you never know when that uh, proverbial (laughs) gravy train may pull into the station. And when folks look at that kind of volatility, it also means that you don't necessarily have any safety when it comes to beating inflation. So let's spend some time talking about precious metals. And and maybe a good place to start is, in terms of your business, why did you even start the Gold Financial Group? That's a great question, Craig. Back in before the market had crashed the last time I was in advertising and uh, more specifically in real estate, as the market was literally coming down off or coming with the crash, uh, we saw a lot of people uh, lose their houses to foreclosures, REOs. Um, and I was trying to figure out like, how could we help our friends, families, and neighbors, because you could literally drive up and down streets and there was foreclosure signs literally on every fifth house at that, at least where I was at. And so um, one of my colleagues was already in gold and silver at the time, back in 2008. 
And um, I just pretty much offered uh, a few family friends some ideas on just buying some gold and silver just as um, a way to diversify your portfolio. And oddly enough, at that time, I had no experience in the industry. But one thing I did notice is that gold and silver ended up running about 30% that year, which helped offset some of the losses within stock portfolios as well as um, the uh, real estate investments. So that kind of perked, raised an eyebrow um, and basically led me to this industry to learn more and how I can literally help, again, friends and family. And that's where I decided to to come into the industry because I saw that. So that success then led to saying, hey, if I can help friends and family, let's extend that list of friends and family across the state, across the country. And of course, you've got clients everywhere now today helping people do something. And you use the word a moment ago, and I'd like to have you maybe elaborate on it. You use the term diversification. Folks hear this word bantied about all the time, the talking heads from the financial advisors that are on CNBC and whatnot. But when we say diversification, what do we really mean by that? Well, everything that you, when most people talk about investments, majority of the, the, the main investments are going to be stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And those are all denominated within cash, the United States dollar. So when we talk about diversification, we talk about hard assets like your real estate properties, your gold and silver. Those are physical, tangible assets that you can hold in your hand to diversify outside of the dollar itself. So you have something real. And that diversification in tangible assets, important not only because, as we've begun to allude to, it's a hedge against inflation, that during extreme inflationary times, we typically see precious metals rise up with everything else, so which means you're keeping pace or beyond when it comes to protecting your your fundamental investment. But the other notion, too, and we've seen this happen on Wall Street, the company that's hot today is not tomorrow. You can be all in in the the stock market and suddenly discover, gee, this is great. We've just put all of our life savings into WorldCom or Enron. (laughs) And suddenly, before you know it, it disappears overnight. So that sense of diversification, particularly not only across investment vehicles, but into tangibles, can really be kind of the, shall we say, the sleep factor for a lot of folks. And maybe you can elaborate on that. Just in terms of the history of precious metals like gold and silver, why is it, in your opinion, Michael, that they tend to do so well during troubled times? Gold and silver tend to do so well because it's a stable investment that we've noticed in the past 20 years. Um, Basically, J.P. Morgan just recently released a 20-year comparison chart within um, taking S&P 500, the Dow Jones, real estate investments, and it showed gold over the last 20 years has performed pretty well, second best performing asset class. so it's definitely done well for investors only because it provides a safety net and sense of security. And it's proven to outshine in most cases in sense of inflation, but also dollar devaluation when the Fed decides to print more money like we're looking to do now. 
Yes, indeed. In fact, there was even talk about minting a trillion-dollar coin just so they could try. You know, Washington, D.C. seems to have a clear disconnect from not only Wall Street, but certainly from Main Street and the rest of the world. If we ran our individual budgets the way the government runs theirs, we'd all be in the poorhouse. But that said, this notion of safety that is historically available to people through investment vehicles like precious metals um, can give folks also a sense of safety and security that, yes, certainly diversification and not putting all of your proverbial eggs in one basket is critically important, but also to be in a different market sector, which is essentially what you're talking about. Some people hear the word diversification and they think mutual fund and they think that they've you know, done the job, but if it's in a single asset class and suddenly that asset class, like energy, for example, takes a trouncing, you're not really diversified. You're you're really exposing yourself. So let's talk a bit about your recommendation in terms of when we look at diversification and include within our asset mix precious metals, is there any kind of a rule of thumb, Michael, in terms of what that percentile of our overall assets should look like? Is it 5%, 10%, 50%, 90%? What does that number look like typically? Well, it's a good question. I think it's individually based on the individual themselves, depending on um, what we've noticed within the last 10 years. On average, we would recommend more than 30% on average as a general rule of thumb just because you want to give opportunity for your investments to grow in case there is an issue or a correction. uh, Because we do have cyclical markets, correct? So if the market does turn or the stock S&P 500 or the Dow Jones, those turn 30 or 40%. Luckily, if you had 30 or 40% of your investment in gold and silver, it would hopefully offset some of those losses to balance out your portfolio. But I wouldn't go past 30 in my recommendation but clients are free to do whatever they choose. It's just our recommendation not to go past 30. And as you point out, that really is an individual decision. And, you know, you might want to get, uh, you know, kind of kind of gather your counsel together and get some advice uh, in terms of uh, how you ultimately decide what that asset mix looks like for you. When we talk about typical clients of the Gold Financial Group, what does that profile look like? Most of them love God and individual freedom in the ability to have something that's private that they own and can control themselves um, as opposed to having their money tied up in the markets, uh, looking on a computer screen, ones and zeros behind it. So that's most of our client profile, um, family oriented. um, And mostly most of our clients are out of California. So, do a lot of them take um, actual possession of the gold itself, or is it held in certificate? So there's two ways to go about it. If you have a retirement account, such as an IRA or a 401k, the IRS has approved facilities that will allow us to place physical gold and silver on their behalf, stored at a depository that's approved by the IRS. Um, otherwise, you can if you're buying with just cash sitting in a bank account, you're more than welcome to buy it. It's a private transaction. We ship the investment to the doorstep. And whichever you decide to do at that point, hide it under or tuck it under your bed or dig it up in the backyard. or You have a safe entirely up to you. It's your investment. We're talking with precious metals expert Michael Cordova. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues. 
Hey, welcome back to Lifeline, our conversation today with Michael Cordova. Michael, of course, is the president of the Gold Financial Group, talking a bit about challenges to the economy today, to your personal economy, and how you can gain a hedge against inflation. Michael, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. And there's, I think, something to be said for, again, that that tangible sense that this is my property, I have it, I hold it, it's not sitting. What does it mean when I have money on Wall Street? I'm, I'm in California, <laughs> New York, wait a minute. So that, that, that certainly in terms of providing investors options and that added layer of safety and security, peace of mind, really. So if they want to take physical possession of the gold, you can certainly do that. Let, let's spend a moment, if we can, along those lines. Quickly, sometimes, Michael, folks will say, well, what about investments in gold coins? That's something that's tangible, and they're pretty, and you can hold them in your hand, and they look nice. But is there an inherent downside to that in that? Hold that thought, please. Just get rid of that. That's the one. Of all the phones I didn't turn off, that was the one. <laughs> Uh, okay, let me pick up from it's where. Okay, that's okay. right. Uh, so you can hold it in your hands. It's pretty. It's nice. It's shiny. But there is perhaps a downside to investing in coins, and that is that a big part of the value is tied up into the condition. Whereas when you're talking about troy ounces of gold, it's gold. It's not molded in anything. So so long as it's pure 99.9 or whatever percent proof gold, you're you're in good shape. So is there an added risk when you're trying to get into gold coins because of condition affecting the value? Right. So going back to the two types of ways to invest in gold and silver, yes, you can buy coins and bars. There's really three ways or three categories of investing, and that's the rarities market, the numismatic market, and bullion market. We tend to stay away from uh, the rarities market, just like buying Rembrandts and Monet's. Um, it's just not in terms of investments. So those we kind of steer away from those. So we focus on numismatic and bullion. Bullion more so because you could see it daily trade on the market. Banks buy into it to offset their portfolios, which is why we always recommend you buy. If the banks are offsetting their portfolios and diversifying, so should you. But because we deal with bullion, the high purity of that, you are working with um, the big banks in terms of their buying and spending power. So when it comes to numismatics, you're absolutely right. There's, there is the conditions. And when we talk about conditions, uh, depending on the older coin, have intrinsic value in addition to just general supply and demand of the coin itself, like a bullion type of coin. So the, the, the great thing about the when you invest in an IRA or 401k, the IRS has limitations on the type of metals that you can purchase. And that is only bullion type of assets, which is minted majority of the time by the United States mint. A lot of the coins come with certificate of authenticity for your protection. Um, but in terms of working with regular cash, you have the freedom and flexibility to buy into bullion, but also buy into numismatics to give you the intrinsic value, the hold value a lot stronger than a bullion coin would. Let's spend a moment and talk about what it's like doing business with the gold financial group. Some folks might recall back in the day, they would have people that would come into town to a hotel and they would buy and sell gold, things of this sort. It, it kind of had a carpetbagger feel to it. And I think some still, people may still be, happens. Still happens, really. 
And I think some people hear that and think, you know, I, I understand what Michael's saying about safety, security, peace of mind, hedge against inflation. I, I like all of that. My concern is I want to make sure I'm, <clears throat> pardon me. My concern is I want to make sure I'm working with a company that's going to be here, not just today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and a company that understands my unique needs. I've got some challenges in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish for my family, building wealth for retirement, maybe preparing for a child's education, things of this sort. What are some of the unique differences then that folks would experience in doing business with the Gold Financial Group? It's a great question. Uh, we pride ourselves in being a boutique precious metals company. We uh, we have the opportunity to grow by leaps and bounds because we have clients that call us on a daily basis. Uh, luckily, uh, we we are not afraid to tell a client that this might not be the right vehicle for you based upon your financial goals and objectives. Whereas most companies and competitors have 40 to 50 individuals and you're just a number running through with us. You're at home. It's like the cheers um, uh, show where everyone knows your name. And uh, that's kind of like what we have here. When someone calls, every, all our clients know the entire staff. There's a high touch point. We pride ourselves on quality communication and relationships and I think that's what sets us apart because you can pick up the phone, stop by the office and see that we're real individuals. Um, to answer your question on if we're going to be here next year, next month, five years, 10 years, um, God willing, we're, all of us are still alive. Nothing happens with COVID. Um, but I'll be here until God calls me home, basically. But to answer your question, the World Gold Council, I read yesterday, listed gold as the second most liquidable asset on the planet. So even if I was not around, you could take it to any country, any state, city, there will be a precious metals dealer that will buy back your investment. Let's talk about that personal touch that you referred to a moment ago. Now, I can anticipate what some listeners are thinking. They're thinking, yeah, Craig, you're a radio talk show host. Of course, you can get on the radio and talk to Michael Cordova, the president of the Gold Financial Group. But if I run into a problem, I'm never going to be able to talk to him personally. Is that true? That is, he, every client has direct access to me. In most cases, whether you pick up the phone one of my guys will either answer or I'll answer myself personally. But at the end of the day, every purchase, I always make sure that I call the client just to verify that they are happy, that they have the right investment. And so they always get a phone call from me. But the beauty is, again, I'm in the office literally six days a week. So more than welcome to stop by, say hi. And in most cases, it's times too, depending on the location, if clients can't are unable to see us, we do not mind stopping by and visiting with clients personally as well. So to offer personal touch. Well, I think that gives listeners also an added sense of security because then if they do have a concern, they can pick up the phone and actually talk to the president of the Gold Financial Group. And I think that personal touch really, particularly these days when we're so used to, you know, press number four for customer service, leave a message, we'll call you back in eight days. That really makes a big difference for a lot of people, doesn't it? Absolutely. We've had clients since day one still on board with us. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's relationships that we care to build at the end of the day. 
because we want to make sure because we are a faith-based company that we align ourselves with all Christian values and basically just want to make sure that our clients are happy at the end of the day. And like I said before, gold isn't for everybody, but if we could find a way to help you, we're literally just here to help. Now, Michael, before we came on the air today, you shared an example of the difference in the current value of buying gold, uh, say, compared to today to what the gold prices were back in 1990, um, that compared to a savings account, for example, over that same period of time. Can you kind of share details on that for listeners so they get a little bit of an understanding in terms of that hedge against inflation? Absolutely. So, for instance, um, I was just looking over the last 20 years how our, how gold fared well against the dollar itself. And so if you compared a $100 bill over the last 20 years and took the same $100 bills and invested it in a gold coin, today the gold would be worth over 9 to 10 times where the, do- the $100 is now worth $49. So that's a clear indication that the value of the dollar is losing or losing its value, but gold and silver are definitely keeping your value intact through the years. And if folks had had that same $100 sitting in the typical passbook account over that period of time, (laughs) they've paid any attention recently. If your bank offers you a free cup of coffee when you go in, take it, because that's worth more money than what you're getting in interest. Isn't it 0.000 something percent today? It's pretty pretty Uh, dismal, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrific. Um, I think that is the last place you want to start your investments these days. So if you're looking for peace of mind, safety, security, diversification, a way to get a hedge against inflation. Why not get more information? Contact Michael Tordova or any member of the Gold Financial Group team. You can call them toll-free at 800-429-0985. That's 800-429-0985. Or reach them on the web at thegoldfinancialgroup.com. That's thegoldfinancialgroup.com. Whether you've been a long-term investor in precious metals or are brand new and just want to get more information, get some advice to see if this is right for you, then call them today. They're always happy to answer questions. And when you call, you might even have the president of the company answering the phone. 800-429-0985. That's 800-429-0985. Or see them on the web at thegoldfinancialgroup.com. That's thegoldfinancialgroup.com. Well, Michael Cordova, thank you so much for the time. It's been a real education, and uh, we'll look forward to visiting with you again. Hey, I want to say thank you, Craig, for everything you've done for us. And to your listeners, um, we are here to help as much as we can. We love that sense of uh, not only concern for meeting listeners' needs, but also that real sense of family as well. You'll notice a difference when you deal with the Gold Financial Group. Michael Cordova, the president of the Gold Financial Group, again online at thegoldfinancialgroup.com. That's thegoldfinancialgroup.com or toll free 800-429-0985. That's 800-429-0985. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.